Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. A Celtic point. It's Tuesday afternoon. Um, it's a bit of good news for Axel when it's Tuesday afternoon. We may have tasted defeat at the weekend, but as you can see from our tagline, a Celtic state of mind has been announced as finalists in the 2022 Football Content Awards. And also, the lady to my right, left, whatever way you look into the screen, is nominated for Best in Women's Football. So please do get voting. Um, we're up against tough competition as we have been in previous years. We've did very well um, in, in the past here. Right, this is your, is this your first nomination for them, Natasha, on it your is, own? Yeah. And so, 
if you are watching, um, whether it's live or in the catch-up, the, the link to vote will be below the video. So look below the video. I'll remind you at the end of it. Um, all the usual stuff. While you're there, you may as well give the video a like. And if you haven't already done so, please do subscribe to the channel. So we'll get all that out of the way first. Um, Natasha, we're a, we're a hard-working team. Obviously, you and I are a very small part of that hard-working team. But getting this nomination, I think, means a lot to, to all of us that con- contribute to Axon. Oh, it's just fantastic. It's nice to be recognised in this way. Obviously, we absolutely love the support we get across social media and other platforms. You know, that tells us that we are doing a good job and people like what we're doing. But equally, it's nice for, you know, an external source and something as prestigious as the Football Content Awards to, you know, recognise what we're doing. And the videos that we're producing that we've been nominated for are absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think a lot of people probably don't realise the, the level of effort that goes on behind the scenes in terms of some of the production and all credit to, you know, Paul John, Kelvin behind the scenes who you don't see, Stuart behind the scenes. These guys really work so, so hard, long hours in that studio, um, making sure that all the videos and the production are absolutely top notch. So credit to them. It's a very well-deserved award and we'll be looking forward to a, a team night out in November. Yeah, um, that, that should be another good one. I know the folk that went down to London last year had a good old time of it so um, I'm sure some of us will enjoy a trip to I think it's Manchester this time around so um, yeah. we'll see when that comes around but yeah absolutely um, it wouldn't be possible without all our viewers, listeners, mm. everybody who retweets, tweets, likes videos, subscribes to the channel um, so a big massive thank you to everyone um, because we wouldn't obviously get the nomination um, without you but we, we do need your support for that last hurdle so please do remind you again down the bottom of the video the link is there please do click on it uh, we're there for best video and while you're there give Natasha a vote and best women in football so yeah that's where we're kicking off from um, I think another place to kick off and rightly so is everyone at Axom is wishing uh, Murdo McLeod all the very best after his operation, his daughter delivered a wee update on Twitter last night, but everyone wishes Murdo all the very best. A great stalwart for Celtic in the late 70s and 80s, and everybody wishes him all the very best after his wee routine operation that he got. So all the best to Murdo McLeod from everyone at Celtic State of Mind. Um, Natasha, we don't usually come on after defeats in domestic football too often recently. Um, it was our first defeat in 364 days in domestic football. First time since Livingston beat us 1-0. Um, being at the game was a bit of a bitter pill to swallow, I, I would say, leaving. Um, I think in reflection when I came out maybe an hour after it, I gathered my thoughts and kind of thought, right, restart button will be pressed and we'll, we'll go again here. But just initially, how were you feeling after the full-time whistle in Paisley on Sunday? Just disappointed, really. Um, it's obviously, like you said, it's not a position we found ourselves in often. And I think for me, I really, I didn't see it coming. Um, I didn't see it coming. We'd been playing really well. I thought that the standard of football was excellent. Um, I had confidence in the squad rotation, which we can come on to later in the show. Um, so I really just didn't see it coming. And Andrew's right in a way that football has this funny way of reminding you not to get too far ahead of yourself and hopefully this has been a bit of a check that you know we needed I don't think there's any need to panic I saw a few over the top reactions after the game so hopefully people have had a bit of a a chance to calm down and reflect and you know assess it 
it, it's not good. You know, you're never coming away from, you know, a two-nil defeat at St Mirren thinking, you know, that's OK. It's not. It's not acceptable. Um, but Andrew and the players will know that it's one defeat in the best part of a year, you know, one in 37 games or something like that. So, you know, I'm not ringing any alarm bells. You know, I'm not panicking. But what it does do is it checks a bit of complacency maybe and serves as a reminder that we can't afford to take the ball off in, in any competition. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one of my old teachers is coming in here in the comments to say disappointed in Paisley. That's a bit harsh. I think that was in reference to what he'd said earlier, a disaster. But but yeah, you can't take um, your focus away from domestic football. It's nice that we've got Champions League football. I don't think that's the case with the team at all. I was a bit baffled that, you know, getting into the game, it was the last game before the international break, Natasha, to see six changes to the team that had played Shakhtar. Um, I'd been in the, the, the pre-match with Fange on Friday. He'd hinted that had the Livingston game went ahead, he probably would have made changes, whether it had been as wholesale as six um, to the team that played Real Madrid. But we don't know, but I found that strange. But before even a ball was kicked, it would made so many changes to the team. I mean, I think I did expect some rotation and I was on the show on Friday and one of the things we discussed was that we did expect some squad rotation. I'm not sure I expected the amount that we saw. Um, but one of the things we discussed, that our key attribute, one thing we keep going on about is our strength and depth. So even if you know we move our second 11, doesn't present really that sort of significant drop-off from our first 11. We discuss regularly how we have two quality players in every position, meaning rotation wasn't concerning that the level of football the standards that we had would still be there so you know when we were discussing this on Friday I thought you know even if there is rotation it doesn't concern me because I have confidence in our so-called second string and I know Ange doesn't see it like that unfortunately that just didn't seem to be the case on Sunday there really was a significant drop-off in terms of the quality for me I don't think um our intensity was there I don't think the sharpness of passing was there the quality wasn't there and then I look at the players that we brought in and I don't think that you can particularly lay fault solely at those individuals because I don't think any of our players played particularly well. You know, even our regular starters weren't at the standard mm. that they're usually at. You know, I'm talking about players like McGregor and Kyogo. So, you know, for me, it was a, it was a combination of issues and one of them, probably the key one, was too many changes yeah, um, I, I thought, you know, we'll dissect this, we'll tear it apart and whatever. One of the things I think Celtic miss when you make so many changes like that is Cameron Carter-Vickers. And I think that was even more so um, highlighted on, on Sunday. He's a rock at the back for us. I think there's a natural confidence when Vickers is in your team. And when there is mistakes, you know, like we had... Uh, and when somebody is just always there to, to brush things up and cool it and I think you know when a, a player like that drops out your team and your, your forward players maybe aren't on song it's mm -hmm. possibly a recipe for disaster when it comes to Celtic That's it I think we probably underestimated how big a loss Cameron Carter Vickers was um, you know he's been very consistent like you say really solid at the back and regardless of who he's partnered with or who's playing a full back or anything like that Cameron takes charge and is consistently very very strong so not only did we lose his technical ability and his consistency we also lost you know his experience and his commanding and controlling presence and I think that was pretty clear you know the defence looked a bit at sea at times you know particularly when some of the cross balls were coming in and I think not having Cameron in defence was absolutely instrumental to that 
And as much as we say, yes, we've got we've got backup, we've got Jens and we've got Welsh, I think the loss of Carter Vickers and Starfelt combined was actually just too much to overcome for the defence. One of them, you know, maybe we've looked okay, but both of them at the same time, and it just seemed to to go to see a bit. Yeah, it did go to see it. I think that that's been something that the manager's been, you know, quite he's been very keen on keeping the centre half pairing with minimal changes as possible. And that's been something that Carter Vickers probably hasn't had a a lot of praise for this season. He's played with every single centre half that we've got. Stephen Welsh on the opening day. Jensen came in after he'd signed and then obviously Carl Starfield returned to the team. So there was a lot of credit due there for, for Carter Vickers for, you know, ad- adapting to the different players but beside him. Um, but but yeah, I think that was something that probably hindered us from the, the very beginning. I just think that Vickers brings a real confidence to the team, Natasha, yeah. and with, without him in it, um, I don't know if that confidence runs through. He's, you know, the spine of your team's obviously your centre-half into your midfield, but it really is, to me, the real you know, spine of that, that Celtic team. Yeah, and he probably doesn't quite get the credit for that he, d- he deserves. And he seems like, you know, a relatively quiet, unassuming character, you know, off of the football pitch. Um, I think you probably forget the presence that he does have on it. You know, I think a lot of the things that Joe Hart gets credit for, I think Cameron Carter-Vickers is probably bringing as well. Um, so... A, a real loss and I think you're right in what you're saying about the spine of the team that really just wasn't there and there's was absolutely no cohesion with that um, at the weekend and I think you will come on to talk about this too but missing Hitati and O'Reilly in the middle of the mm. park again there's that real core element of your team that is just missing yeah, absolutely. Let's go to the comments with that one. Uh, Will McMillan, one of our usual Tuesday contributors, comes in. He says that he believes that our midfield is pedestrian without Hatati and O'Reilly. Um, Natasha, the, the three that started in there, I think we all wanted to see Aaron Moy get more minutes. He's looked good when he's came off the bench. There was even chat, I think, after the, the Shakhtar game, going into the game at St Myrna, people saying maybe Aaron Moy might be the man to play, possibly in Leipzig, just to be that kind of protecting figure in front of the bench but I think without one of these two guys yeah. David Turnbull you know he's a bit of a ball carrying midfielder he'll have shots for outside the box but he just doesn't give you the, the speed and intensity that I think Katati and O'Reilly gives you I think that's it I, I'm a big fan of Adam Moy I really like Adam Moy I like the job that he does I like the sort of you know different sort of player that he provides to us and he's excellent in that role, like you're saying, just sitting in front of the defence, showing things up, a very calming presence, great range of passes. But I don't think we can have him without a Hitati or, a Riley, or, a, or an O'Reilly sort of player, easy for me to say. I think that that dynamic just wasn't quite right and really did slow down the middle of the park, having Moy, McGregor and Turnbull. We needed either Hitati or O'Reilly in there um, because, like you say, there was that that link up, that creativity, we were really missing. We couldn't get Kyogo into the game. You know, he really wasn't getting the contribution and the delivery that he usually gets from the middle of the park because we didn't have a sort of more creative player like Katati or O'Reilly who can find that gap, who can find that little opening that perhaps other players can't. They play a different sort of game to David Turnbull. Um so, yeah, I, I like Moy. I, again, I have absolutely no problem with him coming into some of the games coming up that we've mentioned, playing in that role. But I don't think we can have him and McGregor and Turnbull in the absence of a, a player like Hitati. Um It just didn't work and our midfield weren't able to get 
any width into the game. They weren't able to link up with Kyogo. So, yeah, it just didn't work. The frustrating thing is, you know, you're looking at that team and we're talking about a drop-off or whatever, that team should still have been good enough to... There's no yeah. way that you guess perhaps they're, they weren't as strong as our first team, but they should still have been strong enough to go away and beat St Mirren and Paisley. And the fact that they weren't is frustrating, but equally, we have to give a wee bit of credit to, or a lot of credit to St Mirren here. I thought the way that they set up was was absolutely excellent. Um, they stuck to their, their job. They defended compactly. They took their chances. So there's a bit of credit for them in here as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought Stephen Robinson set his, his team up very well. They, they certainly had a, a game plan which they stuck to. Um, and, you know, Celtic looked at a wee bit maybe intimidated, you could say, at time space with the, the balls into the box. But it's one that you need to move on from very quickly and just take it in the chin. Um, much like probably that Livingston defeat that we were talking about, you know, after that Celtic went on a, a great run and there's a lot of kind of different chat and the comments about this, mm-hmm. David coming in here to say one defeat in 38, so no big deal. Um, another one, that result in Sunday will ensure we win the league, obviously thinking that lessons will be learned from that game. Um, just to kind of go back to that point, Natasha, with Kyogo, I thought a lot of playing the, the first half especially was just going down the right-hand side to Abada. One of the things that the manager likes, I think when Maeda plays especially, is that rotation between the, the left winger and the right winger. And when Abada plays, he just can't do that. I mean, you continually go down the same side in the game and are having absolutely no joy with it. Um, it, it just looked at a, a, a lost cause going on to nothing because Kyogo was there, there was absolutely no service to him. And both you and I and every other Celtic fan know, unless you're playing the ball to feet through the middle, Kyogo's not going to come hunting uh, maybe like Jack and Marcus will and drop deep for the ball. Yeah, it's a very frustrating day for Abada, wasn't it? He was just getting nowhere. He wasn't managing to get the beating of the guy and we had no real option to switch it around. <sighs> Again, does that come down to wrong team selection like Danny suggested in the comments? I think so. I think the, the, the team was the wrong one. Um, Ange had a very rare misstep you know, he usually gets absolutely spot on and this weekend he didn't. Um, he didn't get it spot on and he'll be the first one to hold his hands up and say that. Um, but yeah, like Paddy comes in in the comments and says we move on and that's important. And I think what a lot of people are saying and that this could be the, you know, the kick we need, the the check we need. Yeah, I do get that. I do get that. It maybe makes him realise a little bit more how much the squad's rotation will affect us. Um one thing that I've noticed coming through the comments is a lot of people saying, you know, the international break's coming up. We don't need that level of squad rotation. You know, they're about to get some time off. But we need to remember as well that a lot of our players aren't getting time off. They are away on international duty. So, you know, while it might be a, a break from, from Celtic, it's not a break from football for them. You know, they've still got some hard games coming up for their country. They've got international training camps. So for a lot of them... You know, there isn't this break that we think there is, um, like Chris comes in and, and says as well. So I get why he went with the squad rotation, I do. I just think that this version of it, I don't mind rotating the squad, this version of it, the 11 we ended up with on the pitch, wasn't the right 11. Yeah, no, absolutely. The managers came out after the game and said that probably too many changes, he holds his hands up for it. Um, and it's just a case of, you know, learning from that and moving on. Um, we've got Chris obviously coming in there to say that that point that you make, Natasha, that you know I had a look at it. It's 13 games and something like 43 game, uh, 43 days. 
So it is a game every three days, Celtic are going to be playing, which is a lot when you consider. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The Champions League games, the importance of them, and the mixture that you get the quarterfinal game at Fur Park with the ridiculous kickoff time, and you've got all your your, your league games in and amongst that. So I can under, understand it to an extent, but you know I think Angel know now that maybe going into a league game like that, he just can't do it. Um, Jungle Line coming in here to say only good thing now as Ange will go full strength in the League Cup at, at Motherwell. Whether he does that, I know what, listen, I think everybody's quite comfortable if you're maybe two or three changes to tinker it slightly, but maybe not six. It was six changes to the team that had drawn in Warsaw against Shakhtar. So maybe not as wholesale um, mm. as that. To, to throw this one across here, Natasha, because we've covered the midfield there and I agree about O'Reilly and Hitati. You need legs in there, I think. It was the exact same midfield that started in Dingwall. Where do you think the difference was in the performance in Dingwall that we won 4 1 in with the same centre half pairing of Welsh and Jens with the same midfield free to the defeat in Paisley? It's a good question because what surprised me in comparing the two performances is in this one here at the weekend, we just didn't play the football that we normally play. That wasn't what Ange wants us to do, surely. That wasn't Ange ball, as we like to call it. So these players are, you know, we hear all the time about how they're getting trained in the same way, the same philosophy of football that he likes, and that is running from the B team right up through to the first team and capturing all the players. So why weren't we playing Ange ball at the weekend? There wasn't that intensity. There wasn't the quick passing. There wasn't the, the sort of same range of movement. Um, so th- that surprised me. Is it something that St Mirren did? Was it the way that they set up? Was it the way that they pressed? Um, I don't know. Or was it down to the sort of individual performance of the day? And I think for me, it's more likely to come into the camp of the latter. I think on the day, individual performances just weren't up to it. You know, they all knew what they were meant to be doing. They knew the football Ange liked to be played. Um, and they just didn't play that sort of football. Again, we come back to it. Was it something that St Mirren did? Were they pressing us a lot tighter? Were they a lot more compact? Did they have an impact that meant we weren't able to play our football as freely? Um, I think probably a combination of both, to be honest. So a combination of, one, the players not playing the sort of football that we expect of them, and two, St Mirren being really well set up to counter it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that was a big part of it, and that's some some of the thoughts coming through in the comments here. Um just one here for me, it was the speed we moved the ball. If you move it within two touches, man can't get close enough to pressure. There was a lot of the ball going backwards early on in the game, which I don't think is one of Angie's greatest likes. Um, but when we're playing, James Kennedy coming in here to say that Ross County are a more open team. Um, he believes that Maeda was the wrong choice at the weekend. And Andrew here comes in to say that the front five are nowhere to be seen in the first half. Taylor, Moy and Ralston are doing their best with no one ahead of them. Um, just in terms of that kind of point, Natasha, there, 
do, do you think that probably was the biggest difference that Malky McKay's team were a lot more open? We know that Ross County like to play a bit of football. They also like to put the boot in a, a bit. Um, but it was a pretty much a similar team to the team we'd obviously played in, in Dingwall. Mm-hmm. And was it just possible that we maybe created this false illusion with, with that victory? up there uh, you know that we can make so many changes and it'll be fine because I think one of the, the important things to that win and Dingwall was the early goal that when you make so many changes to the team if you do get an early goal it lets your players get into some sort of rhythm and they've got something to show for it whereas the longer time goes on and you've made so many changes to your team but with nothing to show for it I thought our team just lacked a, a rhythm and a just a, any kind of identity in Sunday from anything that we've actually watched this Celtic this season Yep it wasn't it wasn't that style of football that we're used to. Um, it really wasn't. The week break really hasn't helped us either. I felt we were in a really strong rhythm and then you have a week break and then you make all the changes. So like you're saying, we just weren't in that rhythm that we're used to seeing. It wasn't that free-flowing attacking football um, that we're seeing going forward. That wasn't working. And then defensively, I think what St Mirren did really well was that counter-attack. You know, they had sort of three running at you constantly on the counter-attack and our defence, A, aren't used to that. And B hasn't really played that many games together. C hadn't played all that often themselves. So they just really didn't cope with that sort of counter-attack. So there's probably, you know, that's twofold again. You weren't linking up well going forward. There was no cohesion in the forward line. And defensively, you were just getting absolutely caught out by the counter-attack. So, yeah, I mean, I think for St Mirren, they must have, you know, thought that it was their lucky day, you know, facing the Celtic team who were so exactly what they would have wanted to face up against, um, who weren't pinging the ball around them, who weren't defending as solidly as we're used to. So a combination of things, again, like I've said throughout the show, just doesn't work. Yeah, it, it didn't work. We've got a good mixture of comments at Jubbot and what you bring in. Um, come back to Strange of the Doctor, because we've shown one of his previous comments here, he said he doesn't agree with the assertion that Ross County played more openly. Um, both are set up as a, a 5-3-2. He believes it's just about us playing quicker football and always creates space. Something we definitely didn't do on Sunday was that. Um, To come in here as well, from a comment from Mark to say that St Martin set up against our high-pressing system and exposed our same defensive frailties we've not addressed this season, being vulnerable to counter-attacks and back-post balls. Um, We get caught in the counter, obviously, in in, in Shakhtar. Um, And that is something that I think the manager and the coaching staff will definitely looking at what you bring in this comment here it's a bit big to bring up the scheme so I'll just read it out it's from a user on Facebook to say that the team that started the game were more than good enough to beat St Mirren or on another day the same players would beat any team in the league I think it was more in the mindset of the players no disrespect to St Mirren but after two Champions League games playing them would have been a drop in intensity the players on the pitch didn't cope with the battle that St Mirren brought to the game bad day at the office Natasha what's your thoughts on that because that was something that Greg Taylor get asked about on Friday was how do players go from playing Champions League back into league duty um, which I think maybe some of them are still possibly acclimatising themselves to yeah, and do you know what? They'll say it doesn't affect them. They'll say that they face every game the same, regardless of the opposition, regardless of whether it's Real Madrid or St Mirren. They prepare for every game the same and they, you know, they're up for it the same. I think that's very difficult to be true. Um, I think when you're faced with the prospect of a Champions League night at Celtic Park under the lights with Real Madrid in the Champions League group stages and then a couple of weeks later you're going away to Paisley. Yes, they might prepare for it the same and Ange might drill into them exactly the same um, thoughts and methods and you know ideologies. 
but they're only human. You are going to be more excited about one of those games. It's just a fact. And they are going to be more up for it than you, against Real Madrid than you are against St Mirren. And they'll, they'll disagree. They'll say that that's absolutely not the case. But I think that... I'm not sure about that. And I think it showed at the weekend. It, it, it is only natural to an extent. But I do think there is a certain element, like you said, of we got all the plaudits for how we played against Real Madrid, rightly so. I thought we were very, very good. Away at Shakhtar Donetsk in Poland. Again, a lot of plaudits for our style of football and how we should really have come away with three points from that game. So, you know, you're talking about some really great European performances and then you're going into, you know, a game against St Mirren thinking the drop-in opposition will be there and they won't be as good as Real Madrid, they won't be as good as Shakhtar Donetsk. If we're playing the way we are, then we should be able to beat this team quite comfortably. And if you start getting into that mindset, that's an issue. Um, And I think there was probably an element of complacency both in the team selection um, you know, that's what this team will do to, to beat St Mirren and in the players on the pitch thinking, you know, if we can perform like that against Shakhtar Donetsk and Real Madrid, then we're going to come and roll over this team again. It didn't happen. It didn't happen because what St Mirren had um, was a real team effort, a real hard-working team effort. They dug in, they stuck to their tasks, they frustrated us and it worked. So, yeah, while well, they might claim that, you know, the, the whatever competition it is doesn't matter, they face every game the same, I think... I think I saw a drop in intensity in that game against St Mirren. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I even thought that when we did throw in the big guns, I don't really know what what type of formation we went to, whether it was a 3-3-4 three, three, or whatever it was that we did eventually go to. It didn't really affect or change the game. And I think any Celtic fan would probably be struggling to give anybody pass marks over the course of 90 minutes of football. Um, to, to bring in this comment here, where are we? Um yeah, in terms of the midfield, Natasha, Mark is coming in the comments to say that he believes that McGregor slowed the game down more than Adam Moy and David Turnbull. Um, he doesn't believe that he's cut out for that advanced role anymore, constantly passing backwards. Do you think there's possibly a, a bit of McGregor's game that because he's played that pivot role so often that he's been used to linking the, the, the plane maybe when he's went that wee bit further forward? maybe started to get a wee bit of a nosebleed and just went back to what he's been comfortable and been, you know, trained to do. Joe, you know, I quite like McGregor playing a bit further forward, to be honest. Um, yes, it didn't come off for him at the weekend, but it didn't really come off for anyone. But I do like McGregor playing that bit further forward. What I think he struggled with at the weekend, really, was having an outlet. You know, if he's playing in that further forward role, he's then looking to find, you know, one of his wingers. He's looking to find Kyogo. He's trying to go forward in that more forward role. I don't think that outlet was available to him because of the way that St Mirren were absolutely on top of him, on top of us, blocking off those options. So naturally, he had to go back a lot. So so I don't think that he was very effective in the forward position at the weekend. That doesn't mean I don't like him in it, you know, at other times. I just think the options he had available to him when he was playing there didn't really help him out. You know, he didn't have anyone, you know, like a Hitati or an O'Reilly to help him in that. Abada wasn't really a great outlet. Kyogo was a bit unavailable, you know. So naturally, they'd end up going backwards. That slowed our game down. When he was going backwards, it was perhaps, you know, or sideways, you know, Aaron Moy. That slowed our game down. So I think once you lose that speed in the middle of the park, that's where I think we really struggle because we do so well. We do so much of our good work amongst that sort of, you know, middle three in the middle of the park. That's what really drives our momentum. That's like the sort of engine. 
that's the difference between a ball coming from the back into the middle of the park. If McGregor and Moy are playing like they do, then it sort of slows down and it's dead. Mm. If we've got Hatati and O'Reilly playing there, then in two seconds that ball's away. There's an outlet, it's on the wing, it's up to Kyogo. And by missing that speed, we just really lost any momentum in the game. Yeah, that midfield kind of trio, engine room, whatever you want to call it, um, I first kind of thought this is going to do some serious damage to teams when we beat Rangers 3-0 in, in February because we just completely ran over the top of Rangers that they, they couldn't um, cope with it. That was the same in the 4-0 derby victory recently. They just couldn't cope with it. And even in, in European football there, they, they put in a hell of a shift for, for that, you know, 55 minutes, 60 minutes against Real Madrid in opening stages and in, in Shakhtar. I just think that I like the way McGregor links to play between the defence, the midfield and the forward players. I think there is a big part of what you're saying there, Natasha, that he needs the outlet. He likes to be able to you know, play the ball to, whether it be Jota or Abada, Maeda. He didn't have that at the weekend. But I also think when you've got Aaron Moy playing that pivot position, number six, whatever you want to call it, it was a lot slower. And I think one of the, the, the biggest benefits to playing Callum McGregor there as you'll link the play, but you'll do it and with purpose, you'll do it quickly. You'll be able to get the ball forward in two or three passes. But with Aaron Moy doing it, he's able to slow the the game down, which might be, you know, great if Aaron Leipzigham or two one up or whatever in the game and we can bring him on to do that job. But in a game like that, when you're searching for a goal, it's not the the way that we're going to find it playing that type of football. Yeah, no, I agree. I think one thing that we we missed was a, a sort of playmaker player at the weekend. We didn't have that. We needed something a bit imaginative, a bit creative to break down these banks of defence that St Mirren had put up, like Gary's coming in saying um, there wasn't that playmaker, there wasn't anyone who had that little bit of magic to to break down the St Mirren back lines. Um, I thought that Moy might be able to do it. You know, we talk about his range of passing, the sort of long balls that he can do over the top that land perfectly. That can maybe have cut out some of their lines in defence. But he wasn't really able to to do that either so we're really missing that by missing that creativity we just weren't able to break them down and it just got so slow and it was just it wasn't good to watch you know that's not good football to watch it's not like um you know maybe slightly more against Shakhtar when we were playing really well we were playing good fast football the Ange ball that we like to see that was just missing and it became a bit difficult to watch and that's just so unlike anything that we've seen which I think is what's frustrated a lot of people um, and the more annoying thing is that we're never going into an international break so you know we've got to sit on that for a couple of weeks um, when I think probably Ange the players the fans would all just like to get back out in the pitch and put that right as soon as possible now we've got that two weeks to sort of stew on it um, talk about it and then you know wait on the next game coming round so that's that's a bit of a frustration for me I really wish that we were straight back into another game yeah I think that was probably one of the issues as well coming off the back of the Real Madrid game because you, you'd, any team likes to dust the cobwebs down, even though it was a good performance for a part of the game. I'm sure every Celtic player would have liked to have been back in on the Saturday, playing Livingston at home, whether they made changes to the team or not, mm. um, and get hopefully more points on the board. But then you have to wait eight days. It's another Champions League game. You're going into a bit of an unknown because you're playing a team in a neutral venue. Um and, you know, we're walking away probably from that game, disappointed we didn't get the result that we had. So you've actually probably walked away from, from two Champions League games. Disappointment's probably not the right word, but feeling that you, you could have had more. And then you go into that game at the weekend, 
probably a good chance to put things right from the, the Champions yeah. League uh, drawing defeat and we didn't get that chance and I think that's what you're saying Natasha now we're going to have this international break we're not back in action until the start of October which is a long time to kind of sit in that for and you know players don't like it and hopefully it just you know makes them stronger going forward and you know they've not had the chance to, to make it right they're not going to be able to do that for another uh, well over a week so it's just about you know having that at the back of their mind that feeling and correcting it and making sure they don't feel like that again yeah, maybe, you know, if we're trying to look at the positive of the international break, a chance to set the reset button, you know, really put that result behind us, reset, refresh, come back into to Celtic training, you know, with that, you know, well out your mind. You know, that's what I'm trying to put a positive spin on it. You know, my preference is to if we were playing again straight away. But maybe it's good for the guys to, you know, maybe get out of the, the environment after a loss. Um, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Which is a very unusual occurrence for them domestically. So maybe get out of that environment, go off to their international camps, um, focus on that a bit, put this out their head, and then come back, you know, reset, um, ready to go again. Because you know, you you are you can't win every single game. That's one we yeah. absolutely should have won. We absolutely should have won it. Um, but it, you know, another thing I suppose it does is highlight how impressive those invincible that invincible treble actually was. You know, that season that we went completely undefeated in the league for a year. Again, I think that puts that into to a new light of no matter how good your your football is and how good the team are and how good they're playing. You know, it's a very very difficult thing to do. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think and now it's important we just we move on from it. We were in a good position that we had that five point gap at the top. Obviously, that's now been cut, but we're still sitting in the position that we want to be. So I think we just we look at that, we take that, you know, on board and we move on. Um, that's all you can do. Yeah, that's all you can do. As I said earlier, it's 13 games in 43 days and you probably would have preferred a result like this coming before the international break like you're saying Natasha to press the restart button because you know I think looking forward I I look at these two games against Leipzig that are going to be wedged with St Johnson away in between the two of them which I expect expect Ange to make changes to the team again for that one Um, and to me you know our Champions League campaign is going to be defined in this period of games our league campaign won't be we've got a quarter final tie of the Premier Sports Cup it's a lot of football and you probably don't have the, the room to have that that mishap in there, even though you're going to be able to correct it very quickly. As I say, it's basically a game every three days. I think we'd much rather the defeat or a draw comes like it did at St Mirren instead of in the, the midst of that 43 day whirlwind period of 13 games. Yeah, absolutely. And the the only thing that's concerned, this, this is the sort of period that we do expect to see the squad rotation and things like that. The thing that's concerning me about the importance of the games that are coming up 
Um, and one thing you've touched on is the fact that our Champions League group stage is going to be defined by these next couple of games. And I think that's absolutely right. These are the ones that are the most important in terms of where we're going to finish in this group. The thing that's concerning me slightly at the moment um, is our lack of ability to convert our chances. We're just mm. not clinical enough at the moment. Um, and that sort of started with the, the Real Madrid game. Obviously, we had some really strong chances there, but they are an absolutely excellent team. Um, you know, so you sort of hold your hands up and say, you know, that they're a very good team. We should have taken our chances. We didn't. And then, you know, you go into, again, there's the, the Shakhtar Donetsk game. Again, I don't think we were clinical enough there. Our goal, you know, was actually an own goal, of course. You know, I think Hatati did some excellent work and probably deserves that, but he didn't technically get it. Um, and again, you come away from that game thinking we absolutely must score more goals than take our chances. Then we go away to St Mirren and we don't register any goals there. You know, we only had four shots on target and I can't even begin to think what some of them were, to be honest, um, because none of them really tested the keeper. And I think that was from something like 18 shots on goals. So again, you're coming away from that thinking, you know, our finishing wasn't good enough. We weren't clinical enough. We're not converting and we're not creating enough chances. We're not converting enough goals. So that's what's concerning me about the games coming up is that, you know, even if we do play to the best of our ability, we play the football we saw in that, particularly against, you know, sort of the stuff we did against Real Madrid in the first half, the second half against Shakhtar Donetsk, even if we do turn up and play that football on that level, I'm still a bit concerned that our finishing and our goal scoring isn't there. I think as well, Natasha, that probably feeds into the idea that we've watched the Celtic team score nine goals this season. We've watched them go to Kilmarnock, score five, take four off Rangers. Mm-hmm. We know the team can score goals. It, it, it's been there, the proof has been in the pudding, but recently, you know, as you said, there has been that that drought in the goals, which is something that probably is a concern because we know it's there, which is probably the biggest frustration. It's not as if we've been watching a Celtic team up until this point that you know, we know maybe struggled in front of a goal. But we have seen Celtic do well uh, and scored goals. You can see that with the goal difference at this point in time. But certainly in the three most recent matches, but we've not taken our chances and we've been punished for it. And we're looking at three games, two in the Champions League, one in the league, we've walked away with for a single point. Yeah. And that's, that's the frustrating thing is I feel what I came away from... Real Madrid and Donetsk and I feel like we're really on the cusp of being really really good I thought we were good but we were just that wee bit away from being at the levels of you know really taking that step up and being excellent and really competing and we're talking about second spot in that group stage and we're just on the cusp of that and I don't want us to take a step backwards I want us to really push forward so what is really important for me in the next games after the international break next game in the group stage is that we do take that step up and don't only play the way that we did, um, but start converting the chances and scoring the goals as well. Because, you know, it's all it's all well and good saying, like we did against Real Madrid, you know, you can take a lot of encouragement from it, you can take heart from it, you can take confidence from it. We need to start taking the points from it, you know? So we need to really make sure that all this performance, all this encouragement, we actually go into the next games in the group and convert into some points. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we all probably agree with Stephen. One bad result won't, Define Celtic this season, it does happen, and you need to hope that it is a lesson for the players and the manager. And we move on, and we press the restart button, and we come back firing against Motherwell um, in that first league game in the league. So yeah, we'll see what happens then. Just to kind of go back, Natasha, I don't know if you remember the Livingston game in March last season. 
and Ange, I think a lot of people thought the way he'd set up his team to go there when we eventually broke the duck of winning at Livingston. St Murns became that new ground, actually. We've not won there under Ange post the glue as of yet. Um, but we look at that Livingston game and he brought in players of physicality that I think he thought would do the job in that particular game, players suited to the fixture. We'd mentioned Ross County earlier on with that midfield, the centre-half pair, and it was the exact two same wingers. But do you think the man up top was maybe the difference even in that Ross County game? Because I certainly think George Giacomakis, in a game that's going to be a bit physical and there's going to be a bit of battle like St Mun, might have just been the, the better suited striker for, for Ange on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But if I was picking that team, I probably would have had Giacomakis in it to start. I wonder. Which would have been, what would that have been, seven changes or? <laughs> yeah, what another change. But what I'm saying at the start of the show is there was too many changes in the team. And what I'm saying now is I wanted another one. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I wonder if he thought that um, Kyogo instead of Giacomakis maybe gives you a bit more movement. His off the ball movement could maybe have you know created some openings in that very strong defence, which we were expecting. I wonder if he thought that was you know, where Kyogo's strength would lie and he would be able to create those gaps just by the way he moves, which is absolutely excellent. Um, but in hindsight, I think a big physical striker like Giacomacus would have been the better option. We weren't managing to get those through balls through the middle of the park to Kyogo. You know, would we have had more luck trying, you know, some higher cross balls into the box for, for Giacomacus? Um, maybe, we will never know. Um, but yeah, I... I think Kyogo did was just a little bit too ineffective on Sunday for me. He didn't offer enough. And again, I'm not solely blaming him for that. He wasn't getting the service, he wasn't getting the delivery, but because of that, he wasn't really getting involved in the game. Um, and essentially, you know, he did very, very little. Yeah, he did. And, you know, we mentioned it was the same two wingers, Abada Maeda played up top in that 4-1 victory in Dingwall with Giacomacus and maybe they prefer that as, a, as an outlet whenever they're, they're playing with him because you, you've seen it against Real Madrid Giacomacus will come deep and look for the ball something we didn't do at all um, on Sunday which possibly in games like that when your midfield isn't on song and you've not got the, the intensity in there that you maybe need just to get to come looking for the ball and try to get you moving a bit which as I touched on you know everything was going down that right hand side it just wasn't happening and when you're not playing ball to feet with Kyogo, you're a man down it. And maybe in a game like that, even though we're, we're talking about changes, you know, maybe Yakimakis might have been the, the better fit up top um, rather than, than Kyogo. Yeah, mate, do you know, what about both of them? Um, it's not something we've particularly seen a lot of before, but you, you never know if we're going to try something different, although I know it probably goes against the whole rotation and rest thing, but I would quite interested at some point in seeing both of them. Uh, it was something that Andrew's asked about at the start of the season, whether he saw it as a Kyogo or Giacomacus debate, whether it was one or the other, and whether one was suited to one type of game and whether one was suited to another type of game. But what we were missing was the question of whether perhaps was there ever a situation where both of them played together um, as a sort of, you know, two up front. And he... He said that he, you know, he was open to it, it wasn't something he ever ruled out and that what he did was he always picked the players that he thought were best suited to that game and he didn't really see it as a Kyogo or Giacomacus debate. Um, he saw it as how the full living shaped up um, and they were just part of that. So at some point, will we perhaps see it? I don't know. Um, I would be quite interested in seeing it anyway. Yeah, I think it's one that, you know, even though they, they finished 
did they finish the game on Sunday? I think so. Um, they certainly, I think, featured together on Sunday, but didn't really get the, the, the best of them. And, you know, it might be something that, that does work. I know Kyogo played a lot for, for VCL Kobats in the left wing. Um, and obviously since his arrival at Celtic, he's been played majority through the middle, but we have seen him feature on the left wing, although I don't think that's where Celtic fans see him no. um, as his best position at all. But something, um, something, sorry. something Jared came in and said um, on Friday was talking about the possibility of playing Maeda up front. Um, he talked about the football that he used to play in Japan when he played for played under Ranch. Um, I think the yeah, team Yokohama. The yeah, that's, so he often, he said that Maeda often played up front as a striker. Um, and that's not something we've overly seen him utilise, particularly not this season, maybe slightly more last season. Um, we've not really seen Maeda utilised in that position of being, you know, the, the upfront on his own kind of guy. Um, and I think he was, you know, the top scorer in Japan by the, when, we, when we brought him over. That I could be right in saying. Yeah, so once, once Kyogo left the league, yeah, Dyson was the, right. the second top goal scorer. So, that, you know, that's something that surprises me because from Maeda so far... Again, like we've touched on, I've not really seen that sort of clinical finishing. I've not seen an out-and-out goal scorer, but he's clearly got it in him. Um, you know, he, get, he did it in Japan. It's a position he's used to playing. Um, so, you know, is, is Maeda another option to, to try out front when we're doing this this rotation? It's one that he probably will look at. I mean, he's he's certainly the, the player, Daisy Maeda, that, that was no means the, the surprise package to the, the players that Angie's brought from the, the, the J-League, you know, he'd worked with Dyson Maeda. He's even said in an interview that, you know, he's like the, the first player that his kids even know from watching football is, is Dyson Maeda because they grew up watching him um, over in Japan. So it was by no means a surprise package for Ange Postacoglu. You'll know what he gets out of him, but I think Maeda, again, is suited to a team that is going to press from the start. And again, like Sunday, it's not in his ballpark at all. And I don't think that, if you're not pressing from the start, you're not getting players' faces. Maeda's not a guy that you're going to turn to, and maybe you would Jota to think, oh, he's going to, you know, come up with a bit of magic and get us a goal. No, no, it isn't that sort of output you get from him. And again, I'd like to see a little bit more in terms of goal contribution from from him. Um, like we touched on, it's something that he managed to do in the J-League, but it's not quite coming off for him here. So I'm not quite sure what the issue is in terms of why we're not converting like I'd like to see us do. Um, you know, we started really strongly in that department domestically. Uh, we just have to look at the 9-0 the game. It seems bizarre that we're sitting here a few weeks later talking about um, not being clinical enough and failing to convert. But I think, you know, we've got to put a bit of perspective on that as well. You know, the, the games that we're talking about are, are Champions League games. They're always going to be very difficult to score goals in. They're always going to be difficult to be more clinical in. Um, and the St Mirren game added to that, well, we look at that as perhaps a bit of a blip in the overall picture of the season. Hopefully at the end, that, that's all it is. So, yeah, well, we can we can assess the fact that we're not scoring enough goals right now, that we're not our attacking play isn't quite where we want it to be. It has been there over the course of the season. It has been there. We know what the team are capable of. We know that the goals that Giacomacus has, that Kyogo has, and we know that the performances that made us go in them. So it's there. Um, I just think, I just think this weekend presents a bit of a bit of a blip for for a lot of them, and we need a little bit more um, continuity. Get them back on the pitch. Get the first. 11 playing again like we're used to and we'll, we'll start to see the, the football again that we expect to see from the team Yeah, that's very much so um, what we're hoping for 
what one of the points that Mark comes in here, Natasha, maybe you know, in connection with that, Maida, a uh, comment that you'd made earlier that he believes mm-hmm. it made him be great up front if he played a, a counter attacking game. Um, but I certainly don't think that's going to be our style at all. I mean, we know about Dyson's pace. As I mentioned earlier, you know, I think he likes it when you're you're in players' faces and you're pressing high and you're you're getting, you know, a, a clear intensity in your your play, which is something we we lacked badly on Sunday. I mean, it's not a feature of our game. I just think he drifts out the game. Um, it's just not his game. But it could be one that the manager eventually considers. But one of the points I don't know where it's went here, um, was around that. You know, we played a front three that likes space and buying defenders and Winston Murner are so deep for that. It just seemed to, you know, it was just like a brick wall going up against it because all those players do thrive from, from being in behind and they just didn't get a, a chance to do that. There's a comment there. Um, so, yeah, I think that was possibly, again, you know, we've touched on credit where credit's due to St. Murn for that, the way they set up. But that also could be a, a potential point to make that we did play three forward players that do like the space in behind. Yeah, and I think your analogy felt like coming up against the brick wall. Certainly watching that felt like hitting my head against the brick wall sometimes. It was just so frustrating and so unlike anything we've seen over the course of the season. Um, and again, credit to Stephen Robson, the way that they were set up. Remember at the start of the season when the question uh, I put to Angie in the press conference was around how he's going to overcome the fact that other managers know how we play. They know how we set up. They know his style. Um, and Angie's witty response was that it depends if they've been paying attention and that he finds that they don't. Well, Stephen Robinson's certainly been paying attention because he knew how to um, annul any effect that you know our forward three had. He knew how to face them up. The defenders knew their jobs. Um, and again, like we touched on at the start of the show, the squad rotation shouldn't have affected their ability to break them down in the way that it did. Uh, we should still have had the quality on the pitch to be able to break them down. But because of the way that they were set up, we just couldn't do that. And it did feel a bit like when the forward three weren't performing in the way that they were, there wasn't that that plan B. We weren't able to do anything different that then got us through those lines of defence. Um, and like we've said a hundred times, that I mean, we struggled to create and we struggled to convert. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Yeah, we, we did. I think we've both tore that apart um, as well as we probably could have um, it's one that's a disappointment we hope it's just a very small blip um, on the road this season you know I think that's been another thing the managers wanting to emphasise is all the good work done last season winning the Premier Sports Cup winning the league nothing's been achieved at all this season we booked our place in the Champions League for that which was great but there's been absolutely nothing achieved this season and until you know, we look back at the end of the season, which I know is a long way away. Um, it's about focus, and it's about focus in the next game and try to get points that nothing's won as of yet, nothing's lost as of yet. It's about learning from this. We learned last season, um, and I do firmly believe that we'll probably learn from this and bounce back right away after the international break. Yeah, I agree. It just 
is the sort of person and Jez and the sort of manager that he is. Um, he doesn't get carried away, I think, probably with anything in life, um, particularly not about football. He Unless knows... it's Celtic the musical. You like that. <laughs> Which he loved. Yes, he absolutely loved that. Um, great question, by the way, Declan. He enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so he doesn't get carried away. Um, he's not one to rest on his laurels. He's not one to rest on past success. We know that he's very much of the we never stop mantra and nothing has been won this season. So yes, the plaudits for how we've been playing, the, the great victories, the 9-0 in the league, the good performance against Real Madrid, the good point against Shakhtar, sitting at the top of the league. Yeah, it's all great, but like Jota said, it's September, we need to chill. You know, nothing is achieved in September. Um, we're building the foundations for a good season and a good campaign domestically in Europe. We're doing that, but nothing has been achieved yet. So it's about not getting too carried away, not taking your eye off the ball, Um and continuing to build on the good foundations that we've built and not get complacent, not take your eye off the ball, um, not have any more blips like we saw at the weekend and just continue to to grow on what we've been doing. Put that one to the back of our heads and keep building on the good foundations that we've really started very strongly with this season. Yeah, and we have, you know, we've got a great goal-scoring record in the league this season. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't to be on Sunday. But we're yet to register a win in the Champions League. We've got four games. I think that was, uh, again, something that Greg Taylor wanted to talk about on Friday that we've got four games to prove that we belong at that level from what I watched on Wednesday night. You know, we, we really went at Shakhtar Donetsk and there was no reason why Celtic didn't look like a, a Champions League team. Um, you know, whether or not that's around, you know, Shakhtar have obviously had a lot of issues recently due to the conflict in Ukraine. They've lost a lot of their Brazilian players especially, um, but they're still the, the champions of Ukraine. They deserve to have their, their place there. And we, we, we gave them a good goal. We, we didn't look like a Brendan Rodgers team um, against Real Madrid. You know, we, we've seen the pastings that we've been on the end of against the PSG or a, a Barcelona. And up until this point, you know, had we went to St Murna and won the game, I think we'd have all been delighted with the start of the season, Natasha, from, you know, that kick-off game against Aberdeen up until now. But it's just it's a shame that the end of that kind of good work, that first, that first chapter, Mm-hmm. has been kind of soiled without that poor performance. Yeah, it's a blip. It is a blip. But like we've talked about, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call that we need to be at our absolute strongest going into every single game. And we should have the squad that are capable of doing that. Perhaps we over-rotated it or perhaps we just picked the wrong players in the way that we rotated it. Um, a learning curve. It's a learning curve. We're still relatively early in the season. Um, we're learning a lot about the team. We're learning a lot about the players. And we're going to learn a lot about how they bounce back following this setback. Um, that'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, um, Andrew in the comments here. Hopefully we turn up after the break and start winning again. Three games, you know, when is too long. I think, you know, when you're a fan of Celtic, a player, a manager, you do expect to win, you know, enough every week. And when you're, you're not one for a wee while it feels a bit strange going back to a 4-0 Derby Mullen of Rangers at the beginning of the month so it does feel a bit strange at this point in time but again as you say it's a blip it's press the restart button and as I said earlier on in the show I would much rather that it came at this point than in that big chunk of games Natasha um, I found it quite interesting uh, today to see that Ange Postacoglu is over in Australia this week um, according to the, the stadium that I think is going to host Celtic versus Everton and some Celtic officials are, are heading over there. Um, you'd imagine then that some of the players are going to get a few days off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be 
watching some Celtic players in action tomorrow night at Hamden. Probably Callum McGregor, possibly even Greg Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, after the weekend, likely not David Turnbull. Um, so do, do you think, obviously, he's going to go over here. I think this is the first time we've been back to Oz in a, a good wee while, just due to COVID and all that stuff. Um, but it's probably yeah. the only opportunity that they're actually going to get to promote this, and it'll be good to for the the fans down under to have him in town. I don't know if there's any kind of events planned around it, but it was a wee bit of kind of, not a shock this morning, but I was a bit intrigued by it when I seen it yeah. come out. No, so I, so was I. Um, but you know, it's nice if he's getting some time to go back home over to Australia. Um, nice to take the opportunity for him to do that again on the back of a defeat, really just to take yourself out of the environment. Um, not that he would switch off, but to take yourself away from the environment, go home for the first time in a long time um, and have that aspect of his life and at the same time be promoting the games that we've got over there in November. So I think that's a really positive thing, actually. Um, I'm glad that he's done that. So I'm, I hope that he has a great time. Um, it's good for the club in terms of promotion. It's good for engagement for Australian fans. Um, and it's good for him to you know get away from the environment and, and put it out his head following and defeat. So yeah, I think that's, that's great, a good opportunity to do it. Um, and yeah, good times to, to promote these fixtures. I think it's going to be really great for our fans over in Australia um, to be able to see Ange and the team over there in November. A really great opportunity for them to, to see the team, which they don't often get to do. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I had one of my friends, Dan, who was over from Australia. Um, he managed to come, who's obviously been a contributor on the show before. Um, we managed to to get him to, to the... Hearts game uh, at Celtic Park and he uh, he absolutely loved it and for me it made me realise how much we often take for granted just being able to go to Celtic Park every weekend and watch Celtic play every weekend um, we do take it for granted um, that it's just you know all on the road for us and, and we've got our season ticket and we just turn up and watch Celtic and that's all it is to it you know when you see people like that who love the club who have bought into it who are now so excited that we've got an Australian manager as well to see what it means to them just to be able to go to a game and makes you realise how lucky we are Um, and for the ones who you know don't often pop over to Scotland because it's really not very close to have the team go over there and and play for them over there I think that's I think that's fantastic and I'm really pleased for them yeah I'm sure it'll be a good occasion and hopefully by that time, um, Celtic will be going into that break in a, a, a strong position like we are. Yeah, just yeah. We're still in a, a good position, just now we're top of the league, we've got a very good goal difference, um, but hopefully by that time too, maybe our position will be even more further strengthened, going into that, that World Cup break. Natasha, I, I feel that coming back after this international break, um, to me, season defining might be a bit hyperbole for it, but it's certainly going to be a big, big chunk of games that you know, you're probably going to look back on come May next year and think, you know, looking at it, especially with the Champions League, it's most definitely the Champions League, that the Champions yeah. League campaigns yeah. are going to be defined in, in this space of uh, October and early yeah. November. Yeah, I think this period before the World Cup is going to be massively important over the course of the season. Um, not just the Champions League games like we've spoken about. Um, there's a real chance here for us to finish second in a Champions League group. I think there's a really strong chance of that. Um, it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination it's a very big ask but there is a chance that we can do that and that would be huge for the club um, you know even if we manage to 
to finish third and get European football after Christmas, again, a massive achievement. So there is a chance to do something really big over the next few weeks. Um, and equally, it's a real chance to really cement our place domestically as well, to, to get maximum points on the board, to go into the next break for the World Cup top of the league. If we can, you know, finish up for this break top of the league and with European football after Christmas, that is a really excellent start to, to this campaign before we have to go on this break. Um, and we've got a really good chance of doing it. But that is some big games that are relatively short periods of time. So it's going to be a massive test for the players. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think I think we are capable of of doing what, what I've just said there, finishing, you know, of remaining top of the league before that break and of getting European football after Christmas. I think that's achievable. Um, but big couple of weeks to make sure it happens. Yeah, it's a massive couple of weeks and I think it helps it when you're drawn into the autumn eh, months when you've got a football game every three days. I think it's good for, for everybody's mental health too, you know, to be able to go and watch your team, whether you're going to the game or, or watching it and tuning in because it's something to to keep you um, enthralled and certainly Ange Postecoglou's team do that. And I think we're all going to miss Celtic whenever this World Cup happens because it's going to be weird for all of us to have a World Cup yeah. in November and early December. But it is what it is. We need to just cope with the situation, yeah. um, but but we'll see how that gets on. Natasha, we can't have you on be nominated for a Women in Football Creator Award and not speak about the Celtic Ladies team just before that, just to remind everybody, if you didn't join us at the start of the show, Axom has been announced as one of the finalists in the 2022 Football Content Awards. I think it's for Video Creator as a section, so... The link is below the video. Um, you'll probably be getting sick of me saying this. You're about to get sick of everybody in Axom saying this to you. The link is below the video. If you haven't already done so, please do vote. And Natasha is also up for an award on her own for Best Women in Football Creator Award. So just before we finish, Natasha, do you want to give us a wee update on where we find the Celtic women's team at this point in time? Yeah, let's talk about women in football because the girls have had an absolutely excellent start to the season. They're looking really, really strong. The performances have been fantastic. We're five games into the Women's Premier League and they've had five wins with a goal difference of 29 without having conceded a single goal. So I don't think I can say anything other than it's been a very, very strong start. As ever in the Women's Premier League, they'll be going head-to-head with the other top two, if you like, who are Glasgow City and Rangers. Um, So over the course of the season, those three are really going to be battling it out, I imagine. Um, They have also had very strong starts to their seasons, both winning five out of five as well. The games against them are going to be absolutely pivotal, of course. Um, The first one of those comes in three weeks' time with Glasgow City, and then a few weeks after that, we'll play Rangers for the first time. So that'll be the real marker of where the girls are at domestically and how this title race is going to shape up. But so far, so good. Um, It was well documented. There were significant outgoings. turnover of players. There really was significant outgoings over the summer of some of you know the the top players from last season who won that double. Some of the you know really key players left, um, and there was a lot of players brought in. But you know, as with any recruitment, there is that sort of uncertainty around it and how that's going to work. Um, but so far, so good. It's been absolutely incredible football that we've been playing so far. In particular, Jacinta is on excellent form again. Larissa is scoring a lot of goals, um, and the new girls have been a really great addition. Shout out to Liv Ferguson and Mengler for, for both getting their first Celtic goal at the weekend and the 6-0 win. Um, 
to complete that five out of five so far. So yeah, it's going really well. Honestly, I would encourage anyone to get along and, and support the girls. You know, it doesn't always clash with the men's game. They're really, really trying to avoid that this year. So more often than not, you'll find that you're able to do both over the course of the weekend. Um, so the girls play at home in Airdrie. Um, the ticket prices are really reasonable. It's something like £5 for an adult ticket, um, or £5 for a child, £8 for an adult. Um, so, you know, tickets are relatively reasonably priced and the quality is good. It's definitely getting better, definitely improving. Um and above all, you're going to watch a team be really passionate about playing for Celtic with a really passionate manager at the side of the pitch and Fran Alonso, who loves managing for, for Celtic and the girls are, are all really passionate about playing for the club as well. So get along, give them a bit of support. They really, really do appreciate it and they're going great this season. Yeah, it's been a, a great start for, for them this season, almost kind of replicated by Celtic uh, men's team had the... the they picked up the three points. I think St Murn at the all has been a, a perfect start for, for both of them. But yeah, a 6-0 victory at the weekend going well for, for Fran Alonso and his team. So, yep, that was good to get that. And thanks to everybody for joining us. I know it can be a bit difficult after a defeat um, for the Hoops, but it's always good to get your thoughts in, get it off your chest. Hopefully you'll be able to do that. We'll be here with the international footballs on. Um, I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. I'll be along at Hamden tomorrow night, supporting Scotland against Ukraine. I'll be there on Saturday for Scotland versus the Republic of Ireland, which I'm looking forward to both games. But um, thanks to everybody for joining us. We'll be covering football. We'll be talking Celtic. You know, it's never quiet in the world of Celtic. And the next week, and we'll be building up to that home fixture against Motherwell and over, a, I think it's just about 10 days' time. So please do continue to join us. Vote for Axom if you haven't done so already and have a cracking Tuesday. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.